Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to read one verse of scripture. Uh, Tonight's lesson, uh, continuing with our Made for More series, is practice strategic thinking. Practice strategic thinking. Amen. And one verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Amen. You may be seated. Practice strategic thinking. Amen. Issachar was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. You don't hear them mentioned very much. You hear more about Judah and, uh, and Joseph and some of those tribes. Amen. Uh, Ephraim, Manasseh, and some of the more Reuben popular tribes. But Issachar, Issachar had something that they stood out at this particular time. They had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And their brethren were at their commandment. So because of this, they, they, had, they knew how to strategize. They knew how to plan. And uh, the, the, their brethren, the rest of the people in the tribe, followed them and followed their plan. Amen. Now God is a strategic thinker. He, he's not just willy-nilly out there. He didn't just throw things together and hope it all worked. He had a plan before the world was created. He had a plan before Adam and Eve was created. From the very beginning, he always had a plan uh, and uh, a strategy to accomplish his will and his desire. He created Adam and Eve, uh, and when they fell into sin in the Garden of Eden, he already had a plan to redeem the human race because he knows the end from the beginning. And we know that Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. So in God's mind, he already had a plan. Amen. That plan included uh, calling Abraham to be the father of God's Old Testament people. And then Abraham's grandson, Jacob, had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Messiah came through one of those tribes, Judah. And Jesus, in the book of Revelation, was referred to as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came through Judah. Amen. And then when Jesus was 30 years old, he started his earthly ministry, and he had a plan. Amen. He's using God's plan for that ministry, and it was a plan that was foreordained long before he was ever born through Mary. He called his 12 apostles. He taught them many things over that three-and-a-half-year period before he was crucified, and he, they carried out his plan when the church was born. Jesus, uh, in his last words to his followers, amen, he coupled spiritual power with a practical action plan when he shared these last words of commission to those followers. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea 
and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. So the Holy Ghost would provide the power, but the disciples would undertake the mission in a strategic manner. They began the mission in Jerusalem, and it spread in concentric circles out to Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost part of the earth, the entire world. Amen. They, they were brought before the Jewish leadership in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, and were accused of filling Jerusalem with their doctrine because that was the per first part of the plan was Jerusalem. And then later on, they were accused of, uh, in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. So they started in Jerusalem, and then now they're accused of turning the known world upside down. That's a good thing. Go ahead and accuse us. That was our plan that God gave us. And without a doubt, Prayer is the starting point for all spiritual endeavors. However, we must also engage in critical thinking, planning, and action to accomplish our spiritual goals that God wants us to have. You know, since we're created in His image and His likeness, we too, God's a strategic thinker, and we too can be strategic thinkers. Now, you know, in, a, in our daily lives, we all practice strategic thinking, whether we realize it or not. You know, we, we uh, make daily goals. We, you know, plan to accomplish those goals. You know, we have to-do lists and action plans. And, you know, even a grocery list is kind of a plan. Okay, I'm going to the grocery store. That's my goal. Okay, what am I going to do? All right, well, I'm going to go to the dry goods first because you don't go to the ice cream section first when you go to the grocery store, because then you're going to have soup by the time you get to the checkout. Amen. And so you got a plan. Praise God. Um, and, you know, we plan parties for all different occasions. We plan vacations. All right. You know, I, mean, I remember my wife and I one time, we planned a vacation when the kids were really small. We actually didn't plan a vacation. We just said, we're going to get in the car and we're going to drive up inter, uh, a Pacific Coast Highway, the scenic route, all the way up to Monterey. And then we're just going to go find a hotel and check in. And just we're going to take it just one hour at a time. And that was a bad plan. <laughs> because there was no plan. And we ended up that we didn't realize we didn't do our homework. We didn't realize that the, the, the state fair, the county fair was was open right then in Monterey. There was no hotel rooms. And when we finally found one, it was double the normal price because they had you because, hey, the fair is in town. We're charging double. And uh, it was just crazy, you, you know. But uh, we learned from that that, hey, when you go on vacation, you got to plan. You make a plan. You plan your excursions. You plan where you're going to do and all this kind of stuff and where you're going to stay. Amen. So our strategy ultimately determines our outcome. So it's important to have dreams. We got to have dreams. We got to have vision. We got to have goals because without them, we won't have anything to plan for. We don't have anything to strategize over, nothing to shoot for or strive for. But if we have only dreams and vision and goals, but we don't have a plan to attain those, then they'll never become reality. That's why we have to practice strategic thinking. How we choose to accomplish our goal and not the goal itself will determine if we're successful in that goal. 
to reach our full potential in God, it's, more, it's important that we practice strategic thinking because we cannot succeed without a plan. A goal without a strategy to reach that goal is just wish, wishful thinking. Now, there's an old saying that goes like this. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Without a plan, we place ourselves at the mercy of chance and at the intentions of other people. If you do not plan your time, others will plan it for you. Have you ever had others plan your time for you? Yeah, even on like a vacation you thought you were taking and then, you know, Uncle Charlie showed up or Uncle, you know, Zeb showed up or someone else showed up and, oh, he took over the plan. Amen. So, uh, you know, other people have ideas about how you should spend your time and energy or, or they will try to involve you in what they're trying to accomplish, which is not always a bad thing. It's good to help others accomplish their goals, but you got to also look at your goals too and get them accomplished. If we don't have a clear plan for our life, then we will default to the plan of others, which in many cases does not include the growth we need and are striving for in our own life. Strategic thinking will guard us against inaction and just wandering aimlessly. Like, hey, what are you doing this week? Wherever the wind blows. <laughs> That's not a good plan. Amen. So to move toward our full potential in God, we have to have goals of our own and plans of our own. Now, these are some steps to developing a strategic plan. The first one is define your goal. Define it. Before we can plan a strategy, we must have a destination in mind. What's my goal? Amen. Your destination is your goal, your dream, your vision, or your desire. Zig Ziglar said this, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Man, this guy's a perfect shot because he's aiming at nothing. Amen. So we ask ourselves the question, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? What do we want to learn? What do we want to accomplish? And then we put a plan together. If we don't know where we're going, no one else will either. Amen. You know, in the story of Alice in Wonderland, Alice got lost in the forest. And she looked up, and she did not know which way to go, but she happened to look up, and in the tree was the Cheshire cat with a big old smile. And he was disappearing and not disappearing, but the smile was still there, which is kind of weird. But anyway, uh, that's not the point of the story. So he, she, and she noticed that this cat talked, which was strange. So she said to this cat, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the cat said, that depends a good deal on where you want to go. And then she said, I don't much care where. And the cat said, then it doesn't matter which way you walk. Just walk any way. You're going to go somewhere. But that's not a good plan. So our goal is the big picture. And our plan and our strategy are the specific steps we need to take along the way to accomplish our goal. Our goal should be specific, realistic, and have a time frame associated, not just open-ended, well, until, you know, from now until I die, I'll, I'll get it done sometime in there. No, that's not a good goal, plan. So it's best to only have a few goals at any one time because you don't want to bite off more than you can chew. It'd be better to just have a couple goals and work really good on that than to have 10 goals and try to do them all and then none of them get done and then you're like, forget this goal stuff. I'm just going to 
go with the wind. No, it's not a good plan. So step two is set your priorities. Setting your priorities means choosing what you will do and what you won't do, and then how you accomplish what you decide you will do. So me personally, I have a hard time saying no to people. I'm just a softy, a pushover. It's in my nature. I just want to help everybody. And, um, you know, uh, over the years, it hasn't been a great deal. So sometimes I said yes to so many things that, you know, I sacrificed time with my family, you know, and it wasn't right. It wasn't good. So you got to say no, because there's priorities. You got to set priorities. What's important in your life? Amen. Now, however, we want to achieve our goals and reach our full potential in God. We'll have to learn to say no sometimes. No. Everybody say no. no. I know it's a hard word to say. It's a little word, but it's a hard word to say. Because <laughs> when we say yes to something, we're really saying no to something else. You know that, right? Why? Because we only have so much time, so much energy, and so much money, so something's got to go if something's going to happen. So, for example, if I say yes to a new car, I'm probably going to say no to a vacation that I maybe want to, because what am I going to have, a new car or vacation? Or if I say yes to working a lot of overtime, and uh, then I'm saying no to spending time doing other things that may be just as important or more important. So if you cannot set your own priorities, sadly, others will set them for you. They'll say, oh, you got all this time on your hands because you're blowing with the wind? Then come on over here and help me move or help me do my thing or whatever. So every request, every phone call, every text message, every invitation, every opportunity that comes our way is a priority decision. We got to make a, make a choice on it. And if you say yes to everything... You'll wind up being tired, stressed out, burned out, frustrated, and you will not be uh, helping you achieve your goals at all and your potential with God. So setting our priorities helps us maintain a balanced life. That means our spiritual life, our family life, and our health life must be first. Amen. Because if we're not healthy, because we're burning the candle at both ends, we're not good to anybody, including ourselves. So another aspect of setting our priorities is to determine how we will accomplish our objectives on the, on the things we did say yes to, meaning what our behavior is going to be, what our attitude is going to be, what, our what tactics are we going to use. And another word for saying this is what are our values as, okay, I got this goal. Now I'm going to put this plan together. Now what values am I going to have as I try to accomplish this goal? Am I going to have any kind of values? Am I going to have any morals? Am I going to just like, hey, I'm going to get up the top of this ladder if I have to step on everybody going up? Well, that's not so good of values, right? So values set the parameters on your methods and your behavior. So our values are like the safety features on a highway. They keep us in the right place, heading in the right direction. The white lines help us stay in the right place and keep us from veering into other cars or into the shoulder. Then there are what's referred to as rumble strips. Has anybody ever heard of a rumble strip? Well, I first heard of those rumble strips in, in Hawaii when I, I guess I wasn't paying attention. My wife wouldn't be shocked about this, but um, 
when you get over the little white lines on each side of your lane, there's this thing, and if you if you were out there looking at it, it's like some machine went and put all these like divots, like right right on the other side of that white. So you get on your uh, outside your lane, you all of a sudden your tire goes, and you're just like vibrating all over the place. And it's called a rumble strip, and it's on purpose. It's saying, "Hey, not paying attention to the white line, are you? Okay, well now I'm going to get your attention. Oh, okay, I get it. And then you get back in the line. So. It, you know, the, the lines help us stay in the right place, keep us veering from left to right. But if we don't pay attention to that, the rumble strips will get us back in there, hopefully. Amen. And if the rumble strips don't, uh, don't do it, which is the next line of defense, uh, uh, then we, we got to have some guardrails to keep us from going over the embankment into the ditch or, or, you know, over the cliff. So the white line, the rumble strip, and the guardrail we we gotta you know we gotta have some values to keep us going, keep keep us in the right place and keep us going in the right direction at all times, keeping us from going astray as we travel this road of life, achieving our goals. So, for example, if honesty is one of your values, and I think all of us would say amen to that, then you'll purposely pass up certain opportunities that come your way that would require you to compromise that value. Like, hey, if you just fudge a little bit over here, and if you just do some, you know, a little bit of, like, fast talking over here, then you can, you know, get where you want to go faster. No, that's not what I want to do. So I'm not taking that opportunity. Well, you know, you're going to miss it. Well, that's fine. I'll just wait for the next one to come. The next uh, step is organize your time and energy. And I'm not just talking about time management. There's all kinds of time management things and, you know, have a planner and, and do this and you know calendars and task lists and that's all good but what we put on paper does it always happen in reality okay this is what i'm going to do today and then you know life hits and says oh this is out the window it's not even working for me you're right because you know right off the bat i'm running late unexpected phone calls text messages unforeseen situations arise amen they can cause us to run out of steam before we finish this list in that day. You know, Elijah, he had a great victory on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal. And then the very next day when King Ahab told wicked Queen Jezebel, his wife, what, what Elijah had done that day on that mountain, he, she sent him a letter saying, hey, uh, what you did to my prophets of Baal, it's going to happen to you before the sun sets on this day. So he saw that letter and he ran for his life. He ran into the wilderness, a day's journey, sat under a juniper tree, and he just said, God, might as well die because no one wants me, and I think I'm your only guy left, and I'm not doing too good right now. And so something better happen here. I don't know. So he was mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. Uh, he was discouraged and downhearted. downhearted. He hadn't eaten anything for over a day at least. He hadn't drank, drank any water. He hadn't had any nourishment at all. He hadn't had any sleep. He was exhausted. But see, he still had a to-do list, and God was about to give him some more stuff. But you know what? God knew and understood that Elijah needed to prioritize right then. Okay, the to-do list has to go down because my health is more important right now, my mental health and everything else. So sometimes you got to unplug. you got to just... So 
you know, God sent him an angel, and first he went to sleep. He got a good night's rest. And then an angel, you know, you know, sent an angel that happened to be a chef uh, because, you know, this angel had a nice cruise of water and some, you know, good goodies, you know, on the fire. And then, you know, tapped him on the shoulder. Hey, buddy, time to eat. And he ate. He said, okay. And then the angel tucked him back in bed. And, you know, I'm just uh, paraphrasing a little bit. But uh, and then he went back to sleep. And then the angel t woke him up again and made him another meal. Two meals and two good rests. And so, you know, what God was saying is, uh, in, a, in other words, hey, this guy doesn't need like uh, to pray and fast right now or some spirit. This guy needs some sleep and a good meal. That was the high priority. So, see, it's not all spiritual and this and that. Sometimes you just got to unplug. We only have so much time, so much energy, so much where we just like can go, ah, can't take it anymore. And that's what vacations are all for, right? Amen. So we need to manage our time and energy and our even our interruption. I know, what do you mean manage your interruptions? You're going to say, hey, okay, all the interruptions line up and I'm going to let you in one at a time. No, they just come, right? But we can manage our interruptions. And I'll tell you what, that, what I mean by that. You know, um, the way we manage our time, energy, and, and, and uh, first of all, time and energy is establish a bedtime routine, a morning routine to, you know, help you uh, with some things, uh, you know, and, and when you have a routine, it helps, you know, it just helps you, you know, be more, you know, uh, I don't know, just alert and feeling better about things. Then eat and exercise properly, get plenty of rest. Try to get more, you know, because a couple hours a day, uh, yeah, me and my wife used to do that you know, when we were younger, you know, stay up all night, still go to work. Oh, yeah, but we still fell asleep at work, you know, so what are you going to do? But, we, you know, you got to sleep somewhere. Amen. So not only do we, we, we budget our time, but we got to budget our energy. You know, some people are morning people, like me and Renee. Some people are not morning people, like Elaine and Jess. Amen. Uh, but... You know, what, what we need to do is understand what kind of people we are and schedule your most important tasks when your energy level is at your peak. Like, don't if you're not a morning person, hey, you know, okay, I'm going to go, you know, repave the driveway as soon as I wake up before my coffee or something. No, you're just going to get out there and, like, you'll be asleep on the, the dirt, you know, whatever. So, you know, and then you got to manage your interruptions. Like, how do I do that? Well, see, interruptions are the point at which peop other people's priorities impact your schedule. So what are some ways I can manage my interruptions? You know, like if you uh, work in an office and you have the option to work at home, that's one way. So then, you know, nobody's going to be coming through my front door, sticking their head in my fridge, or like looking at me at my kitchen table and saying, hey, you know, can I borrow your stapler or something? You know, like they always, like they always do at, you know, when, when, in, in a busy office with phones ringing everywhere and all kinds of stuff, right? Or you can just go offline, you know, silence your phone every once in a while, you know, unplug from social media, you know, there's people do social media fast because sometimes it can get crazy, you know, group your appointments together instead of just having like da -da 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 -da, whatever, like, if, oh, I'm going to be over here and I'll do take care of these three at, at once instead of spreading them out, you know, allow some flex time between your schedule. 
you know, for, you know, run over here or, you know, take a break here or I got to, you know, I got to go through a drive through and get a soda or something because I'm like, you know, parched after all that talking or helping somebody or whatever I'm doing. And of course, learn to say no, because they're not going to stop interrupting, but you can say no. Sorry, I can't receive this interruption at this time. Please call back when I'm more available. <laughs> and then our last uh, point and step is remember the power of words. Remember the power of words. The things you think and say can make or break your strategic plan. So to, sex, to, sec, to successfully carry out your strategic plan, you must interject positive, hopeful, and uplifting words into your own mind and heart and speech. And that's not just uh, about talking about others. It's talking about talking to yourself. Amen. Remember, and we, we covered this a while back about speech. Um, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power. Of the, so words can wound and words can uplift and encourage. So the whole thing when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me. The biggest lie in the history of the world. I'd rather you throw a rock at me than tear my heart apart by saying something that really wounds me. But uh, so words, you know, can do either thing. So we, all, we have to recognize our internal words have a lot of sway and power over our own lives and our objectives, our goals, and our strategy. We got we, we, we to say, understand the things we say to ourselves about our potential, about our possibility of growth, about our progress can either advance or set us back. Amen. So when we make mistakes, when we fall short, when we fail, when we should not be telling ourselves, you stupid idiot, why did I do that? Uh, I'm not very good at this, so it probably won't even work. I hope I didn't, don't make a fool of myself again. How come I'm not as smart or as talented as that other person, or I'm such a loser? And then do the big L or something. I'm such a loser. But instead, we shouldn't be saying that to ourselves because words have power. We should be saying, I can do this. Not I can't, but I can. I, go, I can't, but God can. And God's one helping me. Amen. I'm looking forward to great things in my future. I believe God is working all things for my good. Even though what might be going on right now is not so good, all things are working together for my good. If God's for me, who can be against me? I am an overcomer, and God loves me, and he is always with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. So I'm going to be fine. So Ephesians 4.29 tells us what we should be saying to others and ourselves. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So there's no greatest, greater satisfaction than accomplishing your spiritual goals in life. So it is well worth all the effort to make that plan, to take the time Amen. And strategize so that your goals will be successful. Because our ultimate objective is to grow to our full potential in God and be like him. 
My last verse tonight is 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So the goal is to be like him. And the plan, if I have this hope and this goal in mind, the plan is to purify myself even as he is pure. I'm trying to walk for him and please him and do his will. That's my plan because I want to be like him. When he appears, I want to be like him. Amen. Hallelujah. We, we shall see him as he is. Amen. Would you stand with me? Praise the Lord. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.